Would you please join me in the prayer of illumination? Let us pray. Gracious gift-giving God, we come eager and ready to receive. We welcome your gifts and strive to accept with humble hearts all you offer. Reveal to us where you already are, that work you have already done, and where you are inviting us to simple receive. We open our hearts, minds, and lives to your truth revealed in Holy Scripture. Amen. <clears throat> our message today comes from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Hear these words. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. He named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for this wonderful and good word. Good morning, Chapelwood. I'm Pastor Thea, and once again, I want to welcome you to worship. So glad that you decided to participate in this worship experience today. Here we are, uh, less than, uh, I think, uh, less than two full weeks away from the big day. I hope your trees are out if you're a tree-putting-up family. I hope your um, stockings are hung, and uh, maybe even a few presents have already been purchased and are under the tree, knocking a few more things off of your long list to do. I hope your homes are getting filled with cheer, and maybe your calendars, too, as the holiday parties begin. And I just want to remind us that uh, we have a real and exciting reason to celebrate. This sermon series is titled Sent, and we're looking at what it is that God has sent us in Jesus. And today we're going to discuss and discern this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. What does that really mean, and why is it something we should be celebrating but before we go any further, I do want to first stop and pray. Will you pray with me? Gracious, good, and loving God, thank you. Thank you for this day. 
for this place and for this space to come together to worship you, to sing of your goodness, to pray of your will, and to receive and be reminded of your good, good news. Thank you. Thank you, O Lord, that you are willing to be seen when we come looking for you. That you will speak when we long to hear from you. And God, that you would lead us, your imperfect people, when we're willing to take just the next steps in faith. O holy God, at least for the next few moments, at least for the next few seconds, maybe even minutes, we lay down our own wills. We push aside the long list of things to do. We let down the heavy weight of this week, and we surrender to you, to your good ways, and to where it is that you lead. It is in your good and heavenly name that we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning um, are some of the first words in the book of Matthew. It's actually the first narration we get after a long genealogy that affirms Jesus' righteous bloodline all the way back to Abraham. And these words first start off with a uh, reminder that Mary and Joseph were to be engaged. Yep, he put a ring on it. While uh, ancient engagement might look a little different than it does today, I think there are some key elements that we could recognize. This is an exciting time for this couple. They have already started to make plans, and there are elements of a marriage already present. But in reality, a marriage has not taken place yet. In fact, Joseph has made a promise to make a promise. Now, not to be confused with the promise ring, which is a promise to make a promise to make a promise. This is one step closer to that marital covenant, but the real promise hasn't been made yet. He's just made a promise that he will. And I wonder, how good are you with promises? Are you quick to make a promise and then reluctantly have to carry it out? Or do you shy away from that act because you know that you may not be able to commit? How well do you keep your promises? How often do you break them? I think some of uh, my worst promise breaking happens to myself. Now you would think that if it's a promise that I just made to me, well, that's easy. I'm the only one who knows and I'm the only one disappointed, maybe even the only one hurt by that broken promise. And maybe that's true. When I think about the fact that I made a promise that I would continue my four-month streak of of no sugar even through Thanksgiving holiday, and yet when those sweet potatoes came out of the oven and had that toasty marshmallow crunch on top, I couldn't resist. Even just a few bites still have me craving sugar still today. So maybe that promise wasn't so detrimental. Maybe I'm the only one still suffering from that one. But when I think about other promises I've made to myself, 
Like, I will not be silenced. I will not let oppression and injustice happen around me. I won't willingly play a part of others' attempt to control. Now, when I break those promises, I'm not the only one who might end up hurt. I got to thinking, what if Joseph would have gone through with breaking his promise to Mary? What would have life been like for this young, unwed mother-to-be? What would it have been like for her to raise a child, an innocent baby, all on her own when a time where she literally had no rights and very little support? What would have life been like for Jesus without the protection and provision, even financial and just social collateral that a father would bring, much less without the guidance and leadership that this man would be in his life? What might it be like if Joseph would have broken that promise? Well, luckily, we don't get to know. Because this angel arrives and assures Joseph what Mary, I believe, must have already told him. That this baby is in fact not from the effect of some illicit affair or even awful abuse. But no, this surprise baby growing in her womb, who Joseph knows he had nothing to do with, is both conceived and commissioned by the Lord conceived and commissioned to do great things. The United Methodist Church is actually really good about commissioning. Some of you may know I am actually a current, I've currently been commissioned as a provisional elder with the United Methodist Church. For many of you, there's a lot of words in that sentence that you have no idea what they mean, and that's okay. Uh, If you're really interested, let's go to coffee. I will explain it to you. It is far Uh, less interesting than you think it might be. But I wanted to, uh, we do commission our our UM Army uh, students. We commission our local missionaries. We commission sometimes our high school student graduates as they go off into the world. And I had a really interesting commissioning experience that I wanted to share with you. In the fall of 2018, uh, me with about 10 or 11 other women got ready to go on a a short-term mission trip to Kyiv, Ukraine. And while we were there, we got to host a vacation Bible school as well as launch a MOPS program. MOPS stands for Mothers of Preschoolers, and it is a a Christian-based community that is uh, focused on Bible-based relationships and discipleships, and they lure the women in with childcare and warm coffee for new mothers. It's a wonderful uh, community building opportunity that we got to go and, and help launch over in Kyiv. Um, and if you're really interested in learning more about that, let's go to coffee and talk about that experience. Again, really, really a wonderful time. But I wanted to share today uh, the commissioning before we left. So it was the Sunday before we would board a plane and, and travel uh, halfway across the world. And uh, me and the other women who were leaving were called up to the front. And the pastor at the time explained what we were doing, explained our, our goal and our mission. And then uh, we all turned around and knelt at the altar. The pastor then asked the church to uh, pray for us, to extend their hand. And if they felt really compelled or, or close to us, you know, personally, they were welcome to come forward and put 
their hands on us. I had my back turned. My eyes were closed. My head was down. I don't know what actually happened, but I felt a complete force behind me. And the, the, the feeling in the room was that every single person that had ever been to that church before had come forward. And I felt affirmed in this work we were going to do. I felt appointed and trusted to carry out this mission. And I was firmly assured that even though it was just 10 or 11 of us, we were not alone. We were commissioned by our church to go and do great things. Now you might think commissioning an unborn baby is pretty strange. It's one thing to commission a couple of adults who have made this decision, but to commission a baby still in the womb might seem a little crazy. But you may remember that actually this is something that happens over and over again in the ancient Jewish culture. Our scriptures tell us that even as early back as Abraham's two sons were commissioned while still in the womb, both Isaac and Ishmael were confirmed that they would lead mighty nations before they were even born. We read the same about the Samson, and he would serve as one of the first judges when the people of God could no longer merely trust God and needed someone to lead them. We even read about this womb commissioning about Jesus' own cousin, John the Baptist, who before he was born was assured that he would go and make the people ready for the coming of the Lord. And here an angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, I know it's crazy that your fiance is pregnant. I know this seems really out there, but this baby this baby is both conceived and commissioned to do great things. And the angel reminds Joseph of what the of prophet Isaiah says, that there would be signs of this coming Messiah. Look, a virgin will bear a son, and you will name him Emmanuel. Our scriptures go on to explain that Emmanuel means God with us, but I don't know if that's the writer of Matthew adding that in for, for us or if the angel actually said it. Either way, Joseph was a righteous man. He would have known the Holy Scriptures. He would have known this prophecy from Isaiah. He would have known exactly what the angel was referring to and what Emmanuel means. God with us. And then Joseph names the baby Jesus, what happened? <laughs> Emmanuel is a Hebrew word which means God with us. And Jesus is a Greek uh, translation of the name Joshua, which means God saves us. The baby was supposed to be named God with us, but he was named God saves us. That's just the thing. You see, God saves us because God is with us. This idea of God being with us to save us is definitely something that the first Christians, even the people of Mary and Joseph's time, needed a Savior. 
I want to remind you that they are living under foreign rule. Rome has come in with a, an oppressive and violent regime. These Jewish people are not seen as humans with dignity, but merely means of profit and what the government might be able to gain. And then, when the Jewish people, who have been believing and praying and waiting for their Messiah, when they recognize that he has come in Jesus, and they choose to believe that God would do this reckoning thing, the Jewish people, who they were first a part of, push them out. Tell them, if you're going to believe in this, then you can no longer worship in our synagogue. You can no longer be in community with your family and friends and neighbors. These people needed saving. Not only were they not seen for their humanity, but they had been pushed out of their very own culture and community for believing that God would do this great thing. But it is God's presence that offers an end to that harsh reality and truly saves God's people. In this gift-giving time, I do want to make a clarification between presence and presence. Presents are things. They come in boxes or bags. They are uh, usually something that we like, something we can touch. Maybe it's a, a warm, home-baked banana bread that is soft and falls apart in your mouth, but also has that crispy edge with candy nuts on top. Or maybe it's a big, comfy sweater or just really nice pajamas. Presents are things. Presents is being. Presence is the person holding your hand as you lay in the hospital bed, waiting for the doctor to come back with yet another inconclusive round of tests. Presence is the person on the other line willing to sit in silence for as long as you need, while you sort through your frustration and fear, anger, and resentment, just thankful somebody was willing to pick up the phone. Presence is the one sitting across from you at the Saturday morning breakfast table. No rush, no demand, no immediate needs, just happy and content to be. This is what God gives us in Jesus. It's God's own very presence. This is God's time, God's attention, God's energy and essence and willing to come and be amongst us, to be with us, no longer distant and far off, no longer disgruntled and wishing we would get it right, but instead comes crashing into humanity and says, I am here among you despite the fact that you can't get it right, despite the fact you make mistakes over and over again. I don't care who you are or where you came from, who your family is, or if you do the wrong thing on the wrong day, you are still worthy of my presence. You are still worthy for me to come and dwell amongst you, 
to live with you, to teach you, to guide you, to heal you, and to save you. And this very idea that God would not be reserved for those who can get it right, for those who are the most elite or can prove to be the most righteous, this idea that God would come in a mere human body with no army, no money, no radical declarations, this very thing is what upsets those in control to the point where they are begging Jesus to deny this truth of who he is. And because he won't, he goes to the cross. And even there, he doesn't give up this truth that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we are more than worthy for God to be with us. And that this idea that God is some, some being on the sidelines, some angry coach at the end of the fourth quarter, throwing his uh, clipboard because we just can't execute the plan that he has, but instead is a God of love and of mercy, willing to be moved with compassion, willing to eat with sinners and touch the sick, willing to live amongst us and offer us a brand new reality. That is what saves us, to say that this harsh world no longer gets a say. We are offered into something brand new. I don't know if uh, some of you have a virtual reality set planned on your Christmas list. Maybe not for yourself, but maybe for someone that you love. But when I say that Jesus is God with us, offering us an alternate reality, that's, that's not the same thing. You see, Jesus is not some weird goggles we put on and start acting goofy around those around us who don't have those goggles on. It's not that we just respond to things that are not there or live a life that is totally different, actually disconnected from the world around us and only connected in our, in, in our heads and in our eyes and our senses. No, you see, God with us is a real presence and a continual presence, one that does not end but will forever be, no matter how far we stray, no matter how much we don't get it right, no matter where we think we can go to hide from God's being, God is there out of love and grace, goodness and compassion, and let's face it, that God changes everything. I want to read these words that capture this sentiment in the book of Titus, a New Testament letter written years after the first churches are started. It says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing on our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is how God's presence saves us this willingness to be amongst us and can truly be our source of joy and what we are celebrating this time of year. 
Now, as I make that declaration, I also recognize that for many, this time of the year is one of the hardest. We're dealing with real grief, real sadness, real confusion, even real anger that still lingers on. And there's even some who just can't seem to find any joy these days and yet couldn't even tell you why. I recognize that's a real reality that we face. But I also want to remind those of us who believe this truth, that God is with us, that our Lord Jesus Christ saves us from the harshness of this world and offers us something new and encourage us to share that presence with those around us. I think one of the easiest and simplest ways is to first be present. Be where you are. I know this time of the year is much more busy than others. We've got a million things to do, but I encourage you that in the rest of these weeks, in your hustle and bustle and all your shopping and to-dos, to be present. Take a breath. Notice where you are and notice the people around you. Give a smile to the cashier. Thank your barista for getting you through the end of the day. And when you're at those holiday parties, the ones with your friends or family, coworkers, or even some people you don't like that much, be present. Less worried about perfection and the way things are set up or how they're going. Be willing to be present with those around you, especially this time of year. And the second is share Christ's presence. Now I know what you're thinking. I got a little greedy. I'm pushing the modern day church to practice evangelism. Yes, I am. Because this truth that we have, this truth that we get to know, this truth we get to come together to pray about, to praise about, to listen to, and discuss with one another, this is a truth that is not just for us to hold. This is a truth for us to share. And this time of year, there are so many people who need to know what's really going on and be offered an alternate reality. I also am going to let you know that this time of the year is the easiest time to invite a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, or colleague to church. So many people will come to church on a Christmas Eve service no matter where they sit on their faith on their faith journey. There will be plenty who are willing to come to a Christmas Eve service who have uh, claim a zero belief in God or Jesus or any of that, but love the music and the traditions and being around other people who are generally in a good mood. And then there are plenty who are searching, who are seeking, who are sitting back thinking there's no way anyone would want someone like me in their midst. And they need a friend or at least a friendly face and someone familiar to be willing to extend that invitation and assure them that they are welcome right here. We have three services planned on Christmas Eve, 5 p.m., 7 p.m., and 11 p.m. Our 5 p.m. service is going to be really geared around families. Um, It's going to be very family-friendly with even a Jesus birthday party happening right in the middle of it. If you know someone 
who would love something like that, who needs a place where their kids are welcome, not shushed or annoying anybody, but gladly received, I want you to invite them to our 5 p.m. service. Our 7 and 11 p.m. services are also family-friendly, don't get me wrong. They will have a little bit more of a traditional appeal, and so if you know someone would feel more comfortable in that setting, I want you to invite them. But I earnestly push each and every one of us to think of a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, someone you know who might need a special invite to know that they too are not only welcome here, but might receive, might celebrate, might be open to this new reality that Christ Jesus gives us. Final thought. The book of Matthew ends with Jesus' last words to his disciples. His last affirmation of what they're doing. His last assurance and appointing for the work he's called them to and a reminder that they are never alone. After he says, go forth and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, sharing with them all of the commands I have taught you, his very last words are this, and know that I am with you to the end of the ages. This Jesus who comes, comes fulfillment of God's promise, comes commissioned to do God's great and wonderful work, is willing to come and be with us, to save us, and to never leave us, to never betray us, to never abandon us, but continues to be with us through the end of the ages. And friends, that's a God. That's a presence worth sharing. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, God of goodness and mercy, God of compassion and justice, oh God, that you would be willing to be with us. And it is your presence right here, right now, that saves us, that moves us, frees us, from the chains of oppression, sets us free amidst the harshness of this world's reality and gives us life truly new, where we are not valued or even identified by what we produce, where we come from, or the long list of mistakes we might make, but instead are given value in you. Oh, holy God, as we continue with these next few weeks and all of the things to do, remind us of you. Be with us, beside us, behind us, before us, oh God, and remind us that you are with us. Lead us in your ways, oh God with the courage to share your very good news with those who may be ready and willing and need to hear it. It's in your good and holy name we pray. Amen.